We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's Friday, and we like to finish off the week in grand fashion every week by welcoming the veterans of foreign wars into our studios. If Full disclosure, I am a member of the VFW, joining Post 1469 in Huntington Station, New York, a few years back and having a great time with my Postmates up there and now getting to know the folks at VFW National Headquarters. Like how about their communications director, Joe Davis? Joe, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Eric. And we are, of course, going to talk about a big issue there. But just to let people know, much like, you know, when you you remember those old TV commercials for people trying to grow their hair back, not only am I a president, I'm also a client. Well, not only is Joe the comms director for the VFW, he's also a member. So, Joe, give us a brief recap of who you are, where you're from, what you did while you were in. Well, thanks. Uh, nothing spectacular. I was just 24 years in, uh, was an officer, uh, enlisted first and then became an officer. Uh, public affairs uh, for the most track the entire way. Uh, my uh, membership eligibility into the VFW is I served in Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and then uh, in Somalia for five months assigned to the 1st MEF. I'm retired Air Force. Retired Air Force. We just had a conversation involving the Air Force earlier on boot camps and how uh, some... Full disclosure, Eric's Navy. Some airmen told Jake apparently that, you know, Air Force boot camp is just as hard as like Marine Corps Army boot camp. And Jake looked at him and said, all right, one, Army boot camp is not as hard as Marine Corps boot camp. Two, Air Force boot camp. I mean, come on. You you don't want to make that argument. We all love each other, but we also love poking fun at each other. So he's got to throw that one out. And that's the great thing about my organization. And plus, you know, for connecting vets as well is you're surrounded by vets. And, you know, when you're in the military, especially in a purple environment where it's joint, Everybody's poking fun at everybody else's services, but you know, we're all brothers and sisters in, uh, yeah. in arms and uh, we just love it. And it gets even better. And even the funny stories from back in the day get better with age. They do. And then you, you just gather the jokes and the things you can say over the years. Like when you meet a Coastie, you go, wow, you're a lot shorter than I thought you'd be. And they go, well, why is that? <laughs> thought you had to be over six too. why so that if your boat sank you could walk home you know all those things all those little fun uh, little <laughs> touches and uh you know there's a lot of serious stuff going on in the veteran community and of course at the vfw and we'll talk a little bit later on about uh, what the vfw does for veterans but we want to talk about a specific story that recently uh, popped up via the washington post some other places and this has to do with the wall the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C., and essentially something that family members, it appears, are doing that they think is a good idea, but in 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 theory it might be. In practice, it's absolutely not. Joe, what can you tell us about what's happening out at the wall? Well, I really I, I thought about this for a long time, but, you know, I've always known that uh, a lot of uh, veterans and family members, they drop off artifacts at the wall. Right. And this is the 35th anniversary of the wall coming uh, this uh, Veterans Day. But uh, now they're now we're hearing a story from the Washington Post this week that uh, up to seventy remains, ashes, and uh, urns have been uh, basically left at the wall as a final resting place for the uh, for the uh, Vietnam veterans who uh, passed on. And we find out that that's not their final resting place because they're not allowed to be dropped off there. So they're basically they're sitting in a locked metal cabinet with the windows papered over. 
at the uh, National Park Service uh, facility here in uh, suburban Maryland. And that's just not appropriate. It's not. I mean, it, it, it's, again, I think in theory, I think that their, their intentions might be good. But again, in practice, when you learn, these are just going to be taken and put into, a, it's a filing cabinet. It's the kind of thing that you would see at any admin office and any military base that you've been, those very cold uh, institutions that we have where the paperwork is done and the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. And this is the final resting place of, you know, over 70 service members, as you said. And it's, it's seems like they're trying to honor those that they care about, but really in essence, what they end up doing is abandoning them, isn't it? I have to agree with that. Uh, basically because, you know, if you go into a veteran cemetery, I mean, you have beautiful, uh, lined up, uh, headstones and all in a row and they're immaculate. The names are there, the services there, the conflict, uh, where they participate in it's there, but now you're in a filing cabinet Yeah, and it's just, it's, 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 I understand last wishes. I absolutely understand last wishes, but I don't think this is a final rest. This is not an appropriate final resting place. And I think one solution that we have to look at is because according to the story, there's other national parks that do allow the scattering of ashes. Right now, the national mall is in, plus this is in the reserve portion of the national mall. Right. So you have a whole lot of different interests and commissions and committees that are responsible for uh, maintaining the uh, integrity of that particular section of the mall how can we get this done? So that's the question right here. And I think uh, we're going to see if we can work on that because how can we get this done? Obviously it'd be the scattering of the mains. It'd have to be uh, very uh, dignified Yeah, and no, no urns are going to be left behind just the ashes. In the story in the Washington post from uh, January 28th by Michael Ruain, uh, he's the author of it. They talk about the story of Gordon Castro. He's a Vietnam veteran, died six years ago. His older brother, Leon, had him cremated, placed in a special inscribed stainless steel box. Uh, you can see a picture of it if you go and check out the story. Glued on his brother's purple heart, silver and blue combat infantryman badge, and a 1st Cav uh, division insignia. Drove from Corpus Christi to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial because his brother's last wish was to be laid to rest at the wall. His brother may not have known that you, you can't be, essentially. I mean, if we think about that, if there were 70 sets of remains that were left out in front of the wall, it's just not a tenable situation. You might have them stolen in this beautiful box, for example, that's right there. I could see how some horrible human being would see that as a collector's item that they could take. Also, it would kind of uh, get in the way of the memorial. I mean, you can't go to uh, the Lincoln Memorial and leave uh, things in front of that. I mean, that's just not the way that these memorials work, particularly in the nation's capital. You know, uh, it talks about that story specifically uh, of the older brother driving up to do that. And it's a touching story, but the end of it isn't, isn't what you want it to be with, again, this beautiful box being locked up in a filing cabinet. That's the end. And, you know, I, it's, it's very poignant, though. I mean, you know, it, it's just not the way I want to end up. And I think when people, you know, take a step back and look at the uh, entire picture, I don't think this is how they want to uh, their loved ones to end up in a, in a metal filing cabinet with the windows uh, papered over. So I think, you know, what we need to do is somehow figure out a way forward. Hmm. And because the artifacts are going to keep on coming. And I am very sure that the uh, remains and ashes are going to keep on coming as well as the, uh, the Vietnam generation continues to age. Uh, they want to be with their brothers. They want to be with, this was a time of their youth. You know, this was a time that basically uh, America could not separate the warrior from politics. And they were blamed for everything that happened. Here we are, the 50th anniversary of, well, I want to call it the three bad years. You have 58,000 names on the Vietnam Wall. 47,000 of those names are combat dead. 
Mm-hmm. Of the 47,000 combat dead, 33,000 combat dead occurred in the three bad years, 67, 68, and 69. And here we are. I mean, right now we're, you know, we're, uh, we're commemorating the 50th anniversary of Tet 68. Yep. And uh, it's, it's just horrendous. What, what I cannot imagine, you know, I'm not a Vietnam vet, but the thing is I remember growing up listening to six o'clock news every evening, sitting down at the family dinner table. Right. So I cannot imagine being a 18, 19, 20, 21 year old over there having to put up with that stuff and whatever news they got back from the States was not good news. Mm-hmm. It was news against them. And why are you over there? And so whatever public support uh, that there was for them here in the States went south and stayed south. Now we're talking about this issue of people leaving the cremated remains of Vietnam veterans at the Vietnam Wall with Joe Davis from the VFW. Uh, Those ashes are then taken to a a filing cabinet at the National Parks uh, Museum Resource Center, which is in Maryland. And there have been about 70 uh, uh, remains left and almost half of those have been in the past five years, according to this story by Mr. Ruane in the Washington Post. And the reason, as you said, the Vietnam veterans are aging now. We're 50 years out. So if you were uh, from the Tet Offensive, if you were 18 years old, you know, a Marine, soldier, sailor, airman, fresh into Vietnam for the Tet Offensive, you are now pushing 70. I mean, this is a group that is, uh, they're getting older. That's what happens to people. And in the VFW, I know as a VFW member at my post, the Vietnam veterans were now kind of the elder statesmen. We had a few Korean War veterans that would still show up regularly, uh, one or two World War II veterans that were uh, were there occasionally. But the Vietnam vets are, are the elder statesmen, the ones who are running a lot of the posts uh, at the VFW around the nation. And they make up, I think, the lion's share now of the active VFW membership. But again, that's changing because if you're at, at a minimum, you're going to be in your mid to late 60s if you served in Vietnam, many older than that. I mean, this is a generation where we're probably going to see a lot more remains of them coming up in in the coming years. You know, it's an unfortunate fact, but a fact nonetheless. Do you think that there's something that we can do to make sure that people know beyond just a story in the Washington Post about, you know, don't bring their remains to the memorial? That's not the place for it. Or can we do something with the Park Service to try and find a way that they might be able to do something like that? I think the Park Service is going to follow whatever regulations. And, you know, you got Congress is going to be able to set the laws. It's, it's finding that one particular uh, member of uh, the House or Senate to be able to say, you know, how can we fix this? And I hope somebody's listening now because I think this is something that needs to be it, it needs to be fixed because we know that the remains are going to continue to show up. Right. They're going to show up at 3 a.m. in the morning. They're going to show up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And it really, how can we fix this? And I think uh, legislatively it can happen. Now, of course, you got the historical uh, commissions. you got the preservation commissions. you got every commission in the world when, it, when you're talking about the reserve section of the National Mall. But uh, I think, you know, once you start the conversation, then people can say, how can we fix this? Because if you can do it at these other national parks, granted, these other national parks like Yosemite, uh, you got uh, Shenandoah National Park, you got the the Colonial National Park, which I had Mm. to actually look up, but that's Yorktown, Virginia. Oh, okay. I had to look it up. But, I mean, you you are allowed to scatter remains at those particular, I mean, uh, ashes at those particular areas. So how can we work to uh, allow that here? And I don't think there's going to be a massive influx of uh, ashes coming in. Right. But for those those folks who wish to, to uh, be with their uh, brothers and their sisters who, when they served so long ago, I think we can uh, make that happen. 
And again, 70 since 1995 in 2017. So at this point, we're not talking about massive numbers, but 70 of our Vietnam veterans, those who served over there, who this was kind of their last wish for their ashes to be placed, as you said, with their brothers in arms from Vietnam. And interesting, when you look at the story in the post, that some of them apparently have been placed in in, in just plastic baggies, but others in these really ornate, uh, as we talked about the one earlier from the, uh, the first person mentioned in the story, uh, Mr. Gordon, who was a veteran from the 1st Cavalry Division, uh, big uh, inscribed box that has his CIB and his Purple Heart on it. Um, and then you have the other ones like a Marine Corps gunnery sergeant in this very ornate wooden box with the Vietnam service uh, ribbon on there, as well as the Eagle Globe and Anchor. I mean, this is something where it looks like in, in most cases, it's, it's a very thoughtful move from right. the families. Again, though, it's just the information that, that they might not know, or maybe they do know, and it's just, you know, being there for a few minutes. Either way, you know, the National Park Service is kind of between a rock and a hard place. They are. The story they are. makes them look kind of bad for just throwing them in a filing cabinet, but what are they supposed to do? And they and they are. I mean, they don't destroy any of the, all the artifacts, you know, the that are left behind at the wall by, uh, by fellow veterans. They store them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's really no trash. And, you know, they're talking hundreds of thousands of items that have shown up over the last 35 years. And Arlington National Cemetery, which is run by the Army, is also having a similar problem now that we have the new war dead mm. that are there. Because, yeah, I mean, simple mementos. Like, you know, normally if you don't show up with flowers and you put place a small rock or something on top of the uh, the headstone. Okay, the rocks can, you know, you can throw away rocks because there's no memorabilia uh, for that. But uh, as far as uh, coins... Challenge coins and photos, those all have to be kept and preserved. Yeah. And how can we display this? Because it's it's people who are remembering. And, you know, if you can't remember, then that's a lost story forever. Yeah. And these stories, uh, are, are there, there's even incredible stories with the remains themselves. And Michael Ruane, the reporter for The Post who wrote the story, uh, you know, he, he lists some of them. 155 millimeter artillery shell uh, casing saying that it contained the remains of Daniel Hughes left in 2006, that elegant wooden box from uh, Master Gunnery Sergeant Ronald Looney, silver container labeled Martin Ranko with the Long Island Cremation Company of West Babylon, New York, small gold cylinder with uh, a taped-on label reading uh, Sergeant First Class William Shales, 774th Assault Helicopter Company, Three Tours of Vietnam. And then there's one that that really stuck out to me, and this kind of sums up, uh, I think, what the intent of the families and, and friends is. An envelope containing the remains of Roger Probst Sr. left in 1991, and someone had written on the envelope, you finally made it, enjoy your reunion. Somebody who didn't get to make it to that memorial during their lifetime, which it's a pilgrimage that many but not all Vietnam veterans have been able to or wanted to uh, make. Uh, it's, it's, it's really kind of upsetting that this is that this is their last desire but then they also you, you can't do it i mean there and there's valid reasons for that so that's again the rock and the hard place for the national park service but you know i think if the families are able to look into it i think the information from this post story and us talking about it getting it out there certainly might help now they did hear from jan scruggs of course he's the founder of the vietnam veterans memorial fund who told the post Quote, many veterans and their families want ashes spread at the wall and will do as they please. The vets want to be reunited with those who they remember as forever young, who laid down their lives in Vietnam, and to ease their pain, that time cannot heal. You know, so he's basically saying, hey, they're going to do this. They're uh, going to do it. And, and if it's just for a day that they're out there, 
Hey, that's one day. Think about any reunion you've ever been to. The majority of them don't last forever. They last for a day or two, maybe, you know, that kind of thing. Um, So I understand that. And some people may be very well aware of what's happening even before this story, but uh, you know, it, it's still something that I think is an issue that needs to be uh, needs to be looked at, needs to be dealt with. I mean, is there? Do you think it's even feasible? Could there be something like uh, large urns where the ashes themselves might be able to be put into it? Kind of these things that are collected and then sealed off and put someplace in the memorial area. Is that even doable with the rules in D.C. as far as what the Park Service can and can't do? Or I don't see that happening. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, this is Washington, and yeah. and, as, and as far as the space is a very valuable commodity here in Washington, you know, and especially when you got the National Mall and the preservation of the mall. Um, I don't see that happening. I can see scattering into the wind. Yeah. But uh, realistically, anything that's a permanent fixture, I don't see happening whatsoever. And I think that would be more pushback. Yeah. I mean, it'd be failed. And, you know, we're sitting there talking about reminiscing in the past and uh, the, the Washington Post two plugs already here but uh, over the holidays they did a uh, they did an article on the on the best movies or favorite movies that are attached to uh, whatever your career field is and i had the opportunity to let them know about a movie called the best years of our lives oh yeah and it was a 1946 movie and essentially you had a uh, you, you you had a pilot you had an, an army you had a navy and it's post world war 2 back in America and the world and America has moved on. But, uh, these, these three gentlemen befriended each other and they decided that the best years of their lives when they were back in the military. Then over the holidays, I watched white Christmas again. I mean, it's a, it's a staple, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. But then again, well, that was 1956. No, 54 white, uh, white Christmas was, yeah. but remember the, remember the song G I wish, wish I was back in the army. Yeah. I do. There's that nostalgia that, yeah. portion right there. It's because, you know, it's kind of like back when, you know, when you're in a uniform, you know exactly what you're doing 24 seven, you know, what you're doing, where you're going to do and, uh, how you, who you're going to do it with, you know, once you take off that uniform, there's no more checklists anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's a very comforting feeling for the, those who have worn the uniform to have checklists to know you got to get things done. There is, uh, you know, certainly that, that memory that we have and that desire to be back with those people that meant so much with us. And that's what's happening at the wall here in DC. Um, the, the, gentleman Leon Castro that we mentioned who brought his brother, uh, Gordon Castro's ashes and laid them at the wall, told the post that he was told by someone at the park service that he was allowed to re- leave the remains. But the park service spokesperson said, whoever that was, was either mistaken or misinformed. And Leon Castro says, you know, he gets it. He says, it's understandable caring for the remains of those vets left at the wall is an eternal responsibility. And just leaving them out there uh, is not something that really uh, can be done. And we've been speaking with this, speaking about this with Joe Davis from the veterans of forum wars and Joe over the last five minutes or so here, want to talk just a little bit about the VFW and what the VFW is doing beyond just getting information like this out to your members. Of course, every Vietnam veteran who served uh, in country over there is eligible for entry into the VFW and make up a, a large portion of VFW membership. Now, there's a lot more that the VFW does, though, for all veterans, for war veterans. I mean, can you tell us about some of your favorite programs that the VFW offers to my, one community. of my favorite programs is our scholarship programs. Mm-hmm. Right now, we have a Help a Hero scholarship program that uh, that's supported by a Sport Clips uh, hair hair cutteries, and what we it basically allows us to help veterans using their GI Bill, the post nine eleven GI Bill, which is gorgeous. Right. But depending on the type of degree you're going for, it doesn't pay the full ride. Yeah. So these are up to five thousand dollar grants, and it's not a one time shot. I mean, you know, we will help you get your college degree. 
And anybody can go to VFW.org and uh, find out more about this stuff. We also have a youth uh, competitions. It's called Patriots Pen, which is for uh, middle schoolers and uh, Voice of Democracy for high school. And it's a it's a patriotic competition. One's written and the other one's an oral presentation inside five minutes. But uh, for the Voice of Democracy for the high school students, it's up to a $30,000. $30,000 is a top prize. And it's 5000 for the Patriots pen, for the written, for the middle schoolers, and the scholarships just to help out people. Because somebody's got to be able to teach patriotism back in America. Yeah. Now, we have teachers awards that are out there for, for those teachers who go above and beyond to help. Uh, I mean, remember your past because you got to remember your past, especially on how our nation was founded and how our nation has been allowed to flourish because of the sweat sacrifice of military. You know, if. There are people out there, and I know there are, who worry about the youth and worry about what they know about the military, what they know about the nation. As someone who's been able to take a look at some of those Patriots Pen uh, essays, as someone who's heard some of the Voice of Democracy uh, presentations, there are those young people out there, and plenty of them, who are very well aware and very well respectful of everything that's been done by our military. And I think it is great that the VFW is able to uh, shine a light on that. And if anyone's curious about that, hey, you know, Go down to the VFW post and say, hey, can I see, do you guys have any of those Patriots pen letters, the older ones? A lot of them keep them around. I mean, it is, uh, it's impressive to see how good some of these kids are at not just understanding, but but voicing, really. Right, and, and along with the scholarships, we also have, obviously, our uh, our veteran service work to help uh, mm-hmm. all honorably discharged veterans that receive the, uh, the VA uh, benefits and programs that, that they're entitled to. Uh, and we also uh, have our legislative effort here in, uh, on Capitol Hill because we're right across the street from the United States Senate. And because, you know, I just like to say the VFW, we're the union you're not allowed to have in the military, <laughs> but we are the union you're allowed to join if you're eligible. And the VFW, of course, uh, among the best known of the VFW, of the VSOs, I should say. Everybody, I think, thinks of the VFW as, you know, oh, yeah, those guys who marched in the parades, some of whom would be in a uniform that looked like, you know, maybe it didn't fit as well anymore, things like that. The VFW is more than a group that's just marching in parades. As you mentioned, the veteran service officers who, again, as you said, they are there for every honorably discharged veteran they're not there just for vfw members and they can put you as we were talking about earlier with a news story of a veteran who uh who was seeking mental health and uh, apparently didn't know where to go and then uh, some problems came out of it and uh, this new study about veterans not knowing that if you go to your local vfw veteran service officer they're not just going to be able to point you in the right direction they're going to be able to point you to specific people that you need to talk to that will be able to help you with whatever your problem is whether it's a mental health issue whether it's a disability claim i mean you guys work on all that stuff right? it's all about, it's all about context and you know one thing that's it's great about a vfw and then uh, let's just pick a vfw post somewhere in america it's because you have you have an entrenched organization you have people there of all ages and especially the older ones they own stuff i mean they own businesses they hire people they know people who own stuff who hire people so you know you have these contacts you know if you have a soldier of the uh, year at uh, let's say fort bragg or fort campbell or fort hood Absolutely, you want to be able to reward your soldier with the best of the best, and especially from the outside community, because, you know, we come from the community, eventually we will return to the community. Mm -hmm. At my post, there was a man named Dominic Feeney who recently passed away. He was a Korean War veteran, Bronze Star with V, who any question that I had about anything at the VA, anything to do with veterans benefits, he knew about it. And you know what? Dominic Feeney may be gone now. Rest in peace, Dom. 
there's a Dominic Feeney at almost every VFW post out there willing to help people out. Some of them have many of them. And one last comment here before you sign off here, Eric, is what you're, what you're talking about there is, along with going back to the wall, going back to the two movies we just mentioned, mm-hmm. is we were all younger once. And we remember. So we have to be able to pass it forward. We do. And if you're interested in finding out more about the VFW, there's a great website to go to and do so. Joe, what's the name of that website? VFW.org. VFW.org. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.